this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Bobby sat in his train car, watching the Indian countryside pass by. He was leaving the only home he'd ever known, Mongrol an independent state near the border of India. He'd lived his whole life within walking distance of the Arabian Sea and would miss his daily strolls on the beach. But the Nawab, or governor, of Mongrol had decided he should be married off. Bobby had no control over his fate. The terrain outside his window slowly changed from an expansive dry desert to rocky hills covered in green foliage. Then the train slowed to a stop. Bobby shifted in his seat. His emerald and topaz necklace sparkled as he shook his head. His guardians led him towards the exit. The golden anklets on his legs jangled. He wasn't used to their weight, so his steps were awkward and stiff. When the train doors opened, a blast of hot, dry wind swept over Bobby's face. Then he noticed the welcome party. 250 dogs had gathered for his arrival. They swarmed the area, each dressed in golden brocade. The military band played an upbeat celebratory song and the dogs barked along chaotically. An elephant paced back and forth, trumpeting for attention. It was a noisy but magnificent reception, fit for a royal wedding. Bobby's handlers encouraged him to make his way down the stairs. As he did, an honor guard stepped into place around him. The Maharaja's favorite dog, Rushanara, was waiting for him. All Bobby, the golden retriever, needed to do was be on his best behavior. Hopefully, he'd successfully navigate the most important moment of his life, his royal wedding. Welcome to Dog Tales, a podcast original. Every week, we tell the stories of historic, heroic canines. We'll profile dogs who saved people from earthquakes, went to outer space, and even spurred the invention of Velcro. If you're looking for fun stories and a warm heart, you're barking up the right tree. I'm your host, Alastair. 
You can find episodes of Dog Tales and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Dog Tales for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Dog Tales in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. This week, we'll meet the Maharaja of Junagar, a prince who owned 800 dogs and the 800 dogs who lived like princes. His favorite, a small black dog with big pointy ears named Roshanara, even established a new royal tradition with her elaborate wedding to a golden retriever named Bobby. In the early 1900s, dogs were a common part of daily life in India and the independent states that bordered it. Most people couldn't get through their regular routine without petting or playing with pariahs, a breed native to India. Stray pariahs tend to be shy and avoid people, hence their name. But tamed pariahs are friendly and loyal and make for great pets. They had curly tails, a double coat of fur and pointy ears. Their thin frames made them look attentive, like they were always poised to spring into action for a game of fetch. Pariahs were easy to train, so many worked in the palace as guard dogs or police dogs. They symbolized safety and security, a rock to lean on during times of turmoil. This stability was welcome during times of change. Along with new laws and traditions, British occupying forces had brought strange new breeds to the region. Retrievers, pointers, and bloodhounds. But Prince Razul Kanji didn't discriminate. He loved all dogs. He was the son of the Maharaja of Junagar. Junagar was a British-controlled state bordering India. And while the Maharaja answered to the empire, he had enough wealth and power to live a comfortable, opulent life. Razul Kanji was the Maharaja's fourth son, so no one expected him to inherit the crown. But... Before he turned eight years old, all three of his elder brothers passed away, leaving him the heir apparent. Razul Kanji probably didn't want the title, since it meant losing his siblings forever. The death of one brother can be devastating. The loss of three was almost too much to bear. So he found comfort in slipping out of his house and sneaking into the kennels. The family's dogs weren't pets. They were hunting and guard dogs. But they still knew exactly what to do for the grieving boy. No matter how bad things got, they always gave him a friendly lick on the face or just held still while he gave them a much-needed hug. After centuries living alongside us, dog skills at sensing emotions are finely tuned. They know how to read expressions and can distinguish a smile from a frown. But canines don't just rely on our faces to know how we're feeling. Researchers with Italy's University of Barry Aldo Moro determined that dogs can interpret emotions from our tone of voice, and they respond more strongly to fear, anger, or sadness. When young Razul Kanji walked into the family kennels with tears running down his cheeks, the dogs understood that he was heartbroken. 
even if they didn't know why. Ultimately, it didn't matter. The loyal dogs had a job to do. So they laid their heads in his lap and flopped down on the ground beside him. They were a calming, steady presence in a life marked by a series of tragedies. Razul Kanji didn't just depend on the dogs, he loved them. His father loved them too, but for a different reason. Their utility. His Rampur greyhounds were ideal for tracking and chasing down prey in India's heat. They were more than two feet tall and weighed up to 60 pounds, the perfect size to keep predators at bay on hunting trips. Razul Kanji learned that firsthand. The heir to the Maharaja's throne was expected to go on big game hunting trips. They were an opportunity for the crown to show off its wealth and prowess and give the people a ruler to be proud of. So before his 10th birthday, Razul Kanji began regularly going on hunting expeditions with his father. On one such trip, Razul Kanji, his father, and their attendants set out from the palace with attendants, guns, and maybe even expensive new automobiles. The hunt began with a festive mood. Razul's father swapped jokes with his attendants. He declared that he wouldn't come home until he'd shot a prize big cat. The attendants laughed. It was a big boast. Wild cats were tricky and dangerous. But as the huge group turned down the streets, leisurely driving in the hot midday sun, anything seemed possible. Razul Kanji sat up a little straighter in his seat, proud of his father's confidence. By the time night fell, the mood had changed. Razul Kanji, his father, and their attendants had just finished dinner. A man extinguished the fire by shoveling piles of dirt over the flames. As the coals sputtered and smoked, a hush fell over the camp. The only light came from the stars and a crescent moon. Razul Kanji climbed into his tent and lay down. A few fireflies had made their way inside, so he watched their pulsing glow and listened to the chirping crickets. But he couldn't fall asleep. Instead, every shuffle and rustle he heard outside the tent startled him right back to wakefulness. Was that snapping twig a jackal? Was that crunching leaf a lion? He'd heard of wild animal attacks before. Lions, tigers, and leopards were native to the area, and many a wary camper had fallen victim to sharp claws and even sharper teeth. At night, the line between hunter and hunted blurred. Razul Kanji worried about what could happen to him in the remote jungles outside of Junaga. After all, he was just a small boy, eight or nine years old, he couldn't be expected to keep tigers at bay. But then, the mysterious noises settled into something more familiar. A tail thumping against the ground. A huff. A bark and a whine. Razul Kanji's fear melted away as he remembered that he was guarded by greyhounds. The dogs were big and brave. No predator would get at him. Comforted, he finally closed his eyes and fell asleep. Once more, his dogs gave him stability when he most needed it. 
The bond between the boy and his dogs grew stronger every day. His father saw his hunting hounds and guard pariahs as useful tools, but for Razul Kanji, they were something more. They were pets who deserved to be loved and spoiled. He probably snuck food from the table to feed his furry friends. He might have slipped out of tutoring sessions to scratch his dog's ears and play fetch. His parents and younger siblings might even have wondered whether Razul Kanji loved dogs more than he loved people. We can't say for sure whether that was the case. It's based on his later treatment of his dogs. But it would have made sense. The dogs were always there for him. Of course he was devoted. People, on the other hand, tended to leave him all alone. First, each of his older brothers died. And then, in 1911, his father passed. Eleven-year-old Razul Kanji took comfort in the same place he always had, in the unconditional love and loyalty that his dogs gave him. Plus, there was the responsibility of running the state of Junaga. Razul Kanji was too young to become the Maharaja right away. A British lawyer named H.D. Rendell served as the temporary administrator of Junaga until he grew up. But the spectre of royal responsibility still loomed over the crown prince. It was one more thing to worry about and one more worry his dogs could nudge away. Perhaps it was around this time that Razul Kanji resolved to repay his beloved pets for their support. Soon, he was going to be the Maharaja, with all the wealth and influence that entailed. True, he had people to rule and protect, but even more importantly, he was going to use his office to celebrate and spoil his pets. Coming up, Razul Kanji becomes the Maharaja and adopts 800 dogs. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by the Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 Platinum Jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Now, back to the story. 11-year-old Razul Kanji knew death well. He'd lost his three older brothers and his father. So it was no surprise that he turned to the family's dogs for comfort and love. They were constant companions while he finished school, a necessity before he could formally claim the throne. And they were his loudest, most excited supporters on March 31, 1920, when 19-year-old Razul Kanji became the Maharaja of Junaga. Even though he sat on a throne, 
Maharaja Rasul Kanji wasn't totally in charge of his territory. He had to answer to the British. But there was a silver lining to his arrangement. Trade with Europe was easy. And that meant Rasul Kanji could import exotic dogs, breeds that had never been seen in India before. Soon, his large and diverse kennels earned him a reputation as eccentric. That reputation, in turn, made it easier for Rasul Kanji to get even more dogs. Sometimes, wealthy citizens would give him canines as presents to try to earn his favor. They searched far and wide for a dog worthy of him or for a breed that the Maharaja had never seen before. Records don't say what kinds of dogs Rasul Kanji received, but we know he loved all dogs. Big ones, small ones, fluffy ones, short-haired ones, loud ones, sleepy ones. He welcomed them all into royal life, and his menagerie of hounds quickly grew. At one point, he owned 800 pet dogs. This was particularly striking because Rasul Kanji was a Muslim, and traditional Islam teaches that dogs are unclean. Among the hadith, or statements attributed to the Prophet Muhammad, were words that warned against keeping dogs as pets. When a Muslim person died, their good and bad deeds would be tallied, and dog ownership could count against them. The only dogs allowed were working dogs, like ones Razul's father used for farming or hunting. The text went on to decree that canines were so unclean, devout Muslims should refuse to enter a house where a dog lived. Even homes with pictures of dogs were problematic. The Maharaja of Alwa, another princely state of British India, took these teachings very seriously. At one point, a British official named Lord Willingdon invited him to visit. The Maharaja agreed. This was a big honor and a major political opportunity. In order to avoid conflict, one of the Maharaja of Alwa's officials sent word ahead about his dislike of dogs. Lord Willingdon's staff agreed to keep their pets locked away during the Maharaja's visit. Willingdon's wife had a beloved Pekingese. Per this agreement, she shuddered away in her bedroom for the visit. The Maharaja of Alwa arrived at the Viceregal Lodge in Shimla, a summer destination for the British, and sat down to a banquet in his honor. However, the lady's Pekingese wasn't used to being separated from its people, and it managed to escape. The dog sniffed the ground and picked up a scent, then raced off in search of its owner. Meanwhile, the household was enjoying the lavish banquet. The Maharaja was seated at Lady Willington's right hand. So when the rambunctious Pekingese darted into the room, it headed right for the Maharaja's table. It wasn't enough for the dog to brush against the Maharaja's leg or jump up on his chair. The Pekingese brazenly licked his feet. The Maharaja bolted from his seat. The banquet fell silent. Nobody was entirely sure why he stepped away from the table or marched out the door. His face was bright red from embarrassment or anger. It was hard to say for sure because the Maharaja didn't say a word. 
While Gossip raced around the dinner table, he rushed to his suite, disposed of his clothes, and took a bath to purify himself. He eventually returned to the banquet in a different outfit. The situation was a scandal for everyone involved. The dog had offended the Maharaja of Alwa, who in turn had deeply offended his host and hostess by failing to properly excuse himself from the table. Although the Maharaja's reaction was extreme, it spoke to how devout Muslims took the ban on dogs seriously in Alwa. But nearly 700 miles away, in Janaga, Razul Kanji didn't seem to care about these restrictions. He loved his pets, and as the Maharaja of Janaga, there was nobody to tell him no when it came to pampering his dogs. Every year, he had grand birthday celebrations for each of them. When one would pass away, he declared a state of mourning, an honor usually reserved for top political officials. The flag was flown at half-mast, and all government agencies were closed. The army's band played Chopin's funeral march during the burial. Sometimes, when a dog passed away, Razul Kanji would replace it with another. That meant even more celebrations as that pup grew up. Over the course of his reign, the Maharaja had an estimated 2,000 pet dogs, which meant an endless stream of canine birthday parties and funerals. For the Maharaja, nearly every day was a celebration of his pets. Of course, the funerals and birthday parties gave Razul Kanji a way to show affection for his furry friends, but they also made for good PR. Janaga's population was 80% Hindu, so they weren't concerned with the Muslim ban on dogs. In fact, the people seemed to love the pups, and the Maharaja knew that the birthday parties and funerals helped his reputation. Plus, the dogs were handy when he wanted to play pranks on political rivals. One time, in a small show of dissent to the Raj, or British rule, Razul Kanji decided to show his opinion of the Raj, and by extension, all British people, with a little demonstration. It said that he ordered his staff to deploy a fleet of rickshaws around the streets of the popular British neighborhood of Shimla. The sidewalks were crowded. High-class men and women in their best evening wear gathered outside of dance halls and theatres. The mood was jovial. Most of these people were British citizens taking a well-deserved break from their ordinary lives. They loved the unique sights, sounds and smells. The night was perfect. That is, until a rickshaw pulled down the street. It had the Maharaja's crest on it, and the occupants were dressed in brocade fabric. Men and women crowded around, eager to see what fancy guest rode in the vehicle. The occupants were too small to be adults. Maybe they were the Maharaja's children. The crowds pressed closer. The occupant was slumped forward, their face hard to make out. A few bold gentlemen and ladies drew even nearer. They were inches from whoever was in the rickshaw. And finally, the riders looked up. Bristly fur rimmed their faces. Their snouts were long and pointy, and when they opened their mouths, rows of sharp teeth glinted. A few women screamed before they realized what they were looking at. 
The rickshaws weren't carrying children. It was the Maharaja's dogs in formal wear. While a few bystanders chuckled, the pups wriggled out of the rickshaw. They licked faces and exhaled their stinking dog breath right into people's faces. The genteel night had been ruined by a pack of mutts. Naturally, the prank was controversial. Some people were embarrassed by how the dogs had startled them. Others found the whole ordeal undignified, like the formerly dressed dogs were mocking their own finery. Other people complained that the viceroy, a British official, had to say something to the Maharaja. This led to a heated argument. But eventually, the viceroy prevailed. Razul Kanji agreed to keep his dogs at home. It wouldn't be too hard. His expansive estates had kennels, grassy lawns, and a large palace to keep the dogs comfortable. But the Maharaja didn't like being told what to do. So he waited for the perfect time to exact his vengeance. Eventually, the viceroy scheduled a ball at his home, the Viceregal Lodge. The night of the party, Razul sent his servants out into the streets to catch as many stray dogs as they could find. Then they transported the street dogs to the Viceregal Lodge and set them loose. Barking, snarling pariah dogs swarmed the venue, leaping onto the tables and devouring the expensive delicacies. Party guests in formal wear scrambled for the exits. The Viceroy's ball was ruined. Razor Kanji had managed to keep his promise. After all, his dogs were still at home. He couldn't be expected to control every stray in Janaga, could he? When Razul Kanji wasn't playing practical jokes, he was showering his pets with elaborate gifts and unconditional affection. They lived the lives of wealthy nobility, attending state functions and sitting at Razul Kanji's side while he made royal proclamations. One dog got extra special treatment, a young female named Roshanara. The records don't specify her breed, but she looked a bit like an Italian greyhound. Roshanara had dark fur, a long, narrow snout, and big, pointy ears that dwarfed the rest of her small frame. Even when she was full-grown, she was still small enough to fit comfortably in Razul Kanji's arms, which meant she never had to leave his side for long. We don't know exactly when Razul Kanji got Roshanara or how, but whether she was purchased or given as a gift, Roshanara was probably a puppy when she first arrived at the strange, opulent estate. It was full of unfamiliar sounds and smells. She heard Asiatic lions roaring from the menagerie, saw elephants and rhinoceroses peacefully grazing in the yard, smelled spices from around the world floating out from the kitchens. This was a place unlike any other in Janaga. But Roshanara didn't have much time to explore her new home. Immediately after her arrival, she met Razul Kanji's groomer. They bathed her, clipped her nails, and gave her fur a nice trim. Next, they set a diamond-studded collar around her neck and led her to her very own private bedroom. Like many of Razul Kanji's other dogs, Roshanara had the best furnishings money could buy. Even her own telephone. 
Once she'd settled in, Razul Kanji summoned Rashanara to his chambers. For the long trek from her room to his, he dispatched a palanquin. Roshanara hopped into a carriage that was on long poles instead of wheels. Then a pair of attendants lifted the poles and carried her to her master. We don't know exactly how the first meeting between man and dog went. Perhaps Roshanara barked and ran in tight circles, delighted by the Maharaja. Or maybe she sat regal on her palanquin with the poise befitting a puppy princess. Whatever she did, it made a good impression on Razul Kanji. Soon, Roshanara was the favorite. She sat at his side all the time, even when he made important decisions or signed laws into existence. Roshanara became a fixture of the state. And she made for great PR, so far as Razul Kanji was concerned. The majority Hindu people of Janaga loved the sweet furry canine. The Maharaja looked for more opportunities to get Roshanara's face in the papers. Her photo ops and press appearances culminated in 1922, when she even participated in a royal wedding as the bride. Coming up, Roshanara gets a fairy tale wedding. Now, back to the story. Razul Kanji, the Maharaja of Janaga, was an eccentric royal who owned 800 dogs, and he pampered them all. In 1922, he planned a royal wedding between his favorite dog, Roshanara, and the Nawab of Mongrol's Labrador retriever, Bobby. But a case of cold feet almost stopped the wedding before it began. The problem wasn't the bride or the groom, but the soon-to-be British Viceroy of India, Lord Irwin. Irwin was invited to the ceremony, but he didn't care for Razul Kanji's antics. He found the whole idea of a dog wedding to be silly, even a bit disrespectful to real human marriages. In the end, Irwin passed on the invitation. Nevertheless, the Nawab of Mongrol sent his golden retriever Bobby to Janaga, where the animal would be married to Razul Kanji's favorite dog, Roshanara. The wedding was the event of the year. The guest list included 50,000 people, many of whom were important political figures. The morning of the ceremony, Roshanara prepared like many brides do. She took a long and relaxing bath, Attendants massaged fine shampoo into her fur. Then she was dressed in a silk brocade woven with golden thread. Groomers covered her in jewels and spritzed her with perfume. Roshanara rode a silver palanquin to the ceremony. Razor Kanji met his favorite pet at the entrance to the hall, where he fawned over how beautiful she was. Then he walked Roshanara down the aisle. The nuptials were followed by a grand wedding feast. But the wedding night lacked romance. Razul Kanji made Bobby sleep in the kennels with the other dogs. The bride slept in bed with the Maharaja, just like she did every night. The next morning, Razul Kanji, Roshanara, and Bobby woke to even more wedding celebrations. They lasted three days total. Razul Kanji spent 22,000 rupees on this event, the equivalent of hundreds of thousands of dollars today. 
and the icing on the wedding cake? He had the day declared a state holiday. The whole event was such a smashing success, Roshinara and Bobby inspired a larger trend. Two more Maharajas on the Indian subcontinent threw dog weddings of their own. Each was more elaborate than the last as they tried to one-up each other. But life in the princely states wasn't all diamond dog collars and formal pups on promenades. Outside the palace, political tensions were reaching a breaking point. In August 1947, India gained its independence. The princely states couldn't exist as separate entities anymore. They had to decide if they wanted to join up with India or Pakistan. Nearly all of the states chose to become a part of India. But Rasul Kanji had complicated alliances. And on August 15th, 1947, he joined Pakistan. The citizens of Janaga were furious. Religion and government were inseparable. The people were predominantly Hindu and didn't want to have to live under a Muslim government when they had the option to merge with India instead. So they rose up against Razal Kanji. India aided the rebels, installing a blockade that prevented Janaga from trading. The Maharaja asked Pakistan for help, but they only sent a few armed police. This left him with no real defense, and the blockade meant he was running low on food. His only choices were to keep his throne but starve to death, or relinquish his rule and flee to safety. The choice was clear. On October 24, 1947, Razul Kanji boarded a plane with his prime minister, his four wives, his children, and as many of his dogs as he could fit. In all of the chaos, one of his sons, who we'll call Patil, got separated from the rest of the family. Right before the plane was about to take off, the child's mother, who we'll call Indali, noticed he was missing. She had to search for her son, but there wasn't much time. Indali begged her husband to make the plane wait for her. He agreed, and Indali ran down the steps and into the crowd to search for Patil. But Razul Kanji broke his promise. As soon as Indali was out of sight, he commanded his servants to fill the two vacant seats with more dogs. Then he ordered the pilot to take flight. He, the remainder of his family, and the dogs all settled in Karachi, Pakistan. They lived a quiet but comfortable life. Today, stray dogs run in packs through the streets of Janaga. Their old hunting instincts are still sharp. They'll occasionally run off lions or monkeys that venture onto the neighborhoods where people live. If you ever visit Janaga, make sure to pet the friendly dogs that live there. They could be the descendants of royalty. Thanks for listening to Dog Tales. Every dog has his day, and our day is Mondays. We'll be back then with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Dog Tales and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. 
Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals, like Dogtales, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Dogtales on Spotify, just open the app and type Dogtales in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. Join us next week for another good story about a good dog. Dog Tales was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Trent Williamson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Carly Madden. This episode of Dog Tales was written by Amanda Hofseth. I'm Alastair Murden. <laughs>